Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. All rise. Oh, very funny. <laughs> and I'm Megan. Okay. You pain in the ass. I had to do it because one day I thought about it when I was in the shower and was like, that will be hysterical. I got to do in the that. Shower? I did. Absolutely. <laughs> I do. I think a lot about the podcast while I'm in, while I'm like doing mundane things. Right. So, oh. but then I'm not even kidding you. This was like three weeks ago. I was like, oh, I got to remember to do that when we record. Well, I forgot. But then one of our Patreons, Katie, who's actually been on an episode before. Yeah, I remember that one. She randomly sent me a text that said, when you introduce yourself, will you please? Yeah. Thanks, I was like, Katie. Katie, oh my gosh. I put it like our thoughts really are connected. I said, girl, I've actually already thought about this, but keep forgetting to do it. Consider it done. So yeah. And here we are. You, just so you guys know, we did our intro and she's like, oh, that wasn't good. And I'm like, well, did I sound weird or something? So she started it over and did that to me. Yep. That's because I, I had to. Thank you. Your honor. You may be seated. <laughs> I'm going to shake the bones. Oh, me too. I'm going to shape, sh- shape, shape. I'm going to shake the sack. You, I've can got- sh- you can shape it too in anything you want. There's a yes. whole art of puppetry I hear when it comes to those. Apparently. Yeah. Yes. Don't look it up. We've learned a lot. Don't look it up. Uh, okay. So this is a very disturbing case, but it does have a survivor. I so do like survival stories. There is, there is a victim and a survivor. Um, this was a listener request don't have permission that I recall to use the name so I'm sorry thanks Um, anonymous listener yeah if you did give me permission and I didn't make note of the name in my notes I apologize I am human after all working on becoming supernatural but right now I'm just human so um we're all ancient aliens if we go with conspiracy theories I know and I love to gobble me up as much information as I possibly can so maybe I am part alien but this is the Bone Breaker case. Have oh, you ever heard of the Bone Breaker? I don't think I have. Mm. I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, everyone. This is a dude that enjoyed the sounds of the sound of bones breaking. So he was a chiropractor. <laughs> you know, choices. We all have choices in life. Yeah. Could he have chosen differently? Absolutely. He could have used his powers for good instead of evil, and, and he could have been a chiropractor and instead maybe of a murderer. In a simultaneous another dimension, he is a chiropractor. Excellent. But in this one that we're living in, he decided to just be a violent murderer. The bone breaker. The bone breaker. It's going to shock you when you find out how old this this fella is. Oh, God. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so let's start. I'm with- holding the raccoon bones. Don't worry, guys. I won't break you. <laughs> And I'm just holding a sack of boners. <laughs> right. Don't break them either. I, I hear won't. it's painful and it's a true medical condition. It really is. Yeah. So um, RIP to, you know, all the erections out there that have been broken. Right. Sound, it really does sound painful. <laughs> uh, lots of victims today. Right. So let's start actually with a 14-year-old boy named Chris Steiner. He is not the perpetrator. Uh, he was on July 4th. I'm taking you to 1994. July 4th, 1994, in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Oh. Is it Baraboo? Is it Baraboo? It might be Baraboo. Probably depending on where you live. I would imagine. Wisconsin is similar to us Michiganders. They're right across the lake, Mm -hmm. across the pond. Of course. And and we all have the small pond. That's called Lake Michigan, for those of you that don't know uh, where it is. And um, they have lots of Native American names and such. So I'm assuming perhaps that is one of them. Yes. Well, here we are in Baraboo. Chris Steiner disappears from his home in the night. 
Chris is not like Chris. He's 14. Right. Okay. It is July 4th. Okay. So kind of a celebration. Not kind of. There is a celebration. Is the, the birth of America. The independence right. of the United States. That's right. So um, now that we've kind of set the stage a little bit, let me tell you a little bit about Chris. He was born November 19th, 1979 in Wisconsin. Now, him and his parents were very close. He had a normal American upbringing, which is another reason why we point to he didn't just wander off in the night, all right? He was very responsible. Actually, he was starting a new job the next day, July 5th, 1994, and he asked his parents to, he was really nervous that he wasn't going to remember to get up or wasn't going to be in the routine of getting up. So he made sure to tell his parents when he went to bed, don't forget to make sure that I'm I love awake. It. It's before cell phone alarms, man. Right. You, you relied on your regular old alarm clock, and if you accidentally shut it off or threw it across the room like I used to do at that age in 1994. Yes. It was done. You relied on your yep. parents. Yep. Exactly. So when his parents go into his bedroom at 6.15 a.m. and discover that Chris is nowhere to be found, they immediately call the police because he's not the type of child that's just going to wander off, that's going to run away, that's going to, you know, do any of that sort of thing. Um, Chris's father told the police that he checked on his son the night before at 10 p.m. He was asleep in his bed. And Unfortunately, this is the last time that anyone would have seen Chris alive when his dad checked on him in his bed. Again, parents' worst nightmare. Absolutely. Police start an investigation and they discover inside the home that that on the ground floor bedroom, which was where Chris's room was, the screen to his bedroom had been slashed, had been cut open. So this is intentional. This is somebody who, to me, I mean, this is what it tells me as an investigator, that this is someone who knew what room to go to, right? Um, Slashed it. You know what it also means to me is that he definitely didn't voluntarily leave because when you're sneaking out of your house, you don't rip open your screen. You very carefully and quietly remove the entire screen so you can put it back. Exactly. If any of you have ever snuck out. Right. I haven't because I'm an angel, but I've heard that that's what people do. I heard that also from friends of mine in high school who might have done that. Right. Yes. But never you. I did find in some reports that this was also, that this was Chris's older brother's bedroom as well. I I couldn't differentiate whether it was also like as you know, as I just said as well, like did they share a room or was this just Chris's room? Okay. That information was conflicting and I like to tell you when I hear when I read something different. So it's possible that Chris and his older brother shared this bedroom. Do we think if they did share the room, was his brother in there or was this his just... His brother was out for the night. Okay. So at least we know the important piece and that's that Chris was alone in the Chris bedroom, whether it was shared or not. Correct. Yep. There were muddy footprints that were found throughout the inside of the house and on the second ground floor, like there... The second ground floor, also known as the second floor... <laughs> <laughs> why did how many I ground it? how many ground floors are there here I'm is it a bi-level sure. home can I just tell you that <laughs> sometimes when I'm not sometimes every time that I write a report for work I have to describe the floors and levels yeah. that the daycare are, are on and that's how we describe them and I just realized that's exactly how I wrote my notes <laughs> like a daycare investigation it was it was so okay. sorry about that so yes um there were patio doors that were on um, another level. It is like a bi-level type home to okay. my understanding. Um, so it's still like ground level. It's not upstairs. 
But there's a set of stairs of some kind probably that led up to another yes, landing. Yes, like the landing. Mm-hmm. But those patio doors were unlocked. Hmm. And mom and dad say, nope, we lock all the doors. And night. there were muddy footprints headed throughout to- the house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Were they headed toward the door? Like I it couldn't appears- find that information. To the way that, that the investigation is written, it seemed to me that there is a hypothesis that a perpetrator entered the screen through the screen and then exited with Chris through, through the, the patio doors. And that makes perfect sense to me because, again, we're not allegedly kidnapping a young small child here it's going to be hard to carry a 14 year old from a window so he found a different way to exit with the child yep somehow immobilized exactly so at first the police did want to say listen it was the fourth of july do you think that it's possible that he snuck out to maybe go see a girl and he was close with his parents and although and you know in the beginning they really didn't think that they kind of had to be pacified by the police and go with that hypothesis right just until some hours pass and finally when chris doesn't arrive back home that evening they're no longer really you know thinking that this is is possible but the police are then switching to well we think he ran away his parents wouldn't even once consider this theory they're like, no, our son was happy. He was excited about his new job. There were no issues at home, at school. He was a good kid. There's no way. He, He's asked not, he does us not fit to the, wake him up. Right. Also, right. not indicative of a kid who's going to run away who's like, stay far away from my room so I have a way to get out. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly. want to be discovered. Does not even remotely close remotely close, remotely fit the checklist for a a runaway, right? I'm right on there with mom and dad. Yep. So mom and dad, mom and dad would not even entertain this. So days go on. That was July 5th. Okay. Unfortunately, a body is found in the Wisconsin river. Wait, on the 5th. So this was July 4th. July 10th. He oh. was, it was July 5th that he was discovered to not be in his bed. Because it was the early morning hours. Yeah. Like, yeah, early in the morning. And then so four, five days five later. Five days later. On the 10th. Body, yep, on July 10th, a body is found, found in the Wisconsin River. The body had different parts of decomposition, mostly due to the water, yeah. of course. So dental records had to confirm that this was the body of Chris Steiner. So in really initially, Megan, police don't have a whole lot of clues of how Chris ends up in the Wisconsin River. Uh, an autopsy was done. And in the initial autopsy, it said that there was no significant injury. So his cause of death was listed as drowning. Right. But in terms of the drowning, like how did he drown? Why was he hanging? Because he his body was described as kind of hanging like on a branch, whether it was snagged. We don't know, but he was face down in the river, but, but part of his body was out of the river hanging over this like downed branch tree type. Sure. You know, and at the time there's no evidence to show that he was injured or killed prior to being placed in the river. Well, and what they did is they just listed his cause of death as drowning in the manner as undetermined. Okay. But the original autopsy says there's no significant injury to to cause to have caused his death so that's why they went with that with drowning because he was yeah in the water was, but it, and he was bloated and badly decom- decomposed I, so, I think though with evidence of a real drowning there should be some type of evidence that water was in taken uh, taken right, into the into lungs. His lungs yep 
But that's the part that I think gets tricky when you add in the decomp. The and level the blow. of decomp mm-hmm. and the blow. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. And I found this interesting piece of, of information from an article. It's And I apologize because it'll be in my show notes, but I can't remember exactly what article. I'm not quoting it, but still. They talked about how an aspect of a death investigation involves evaluating, you know, the cause, the mechanism, the manner of death, those sorts of things. So a cause of death is whatever made death occur, like strangulation, as we know. And the mechanism is what happens physiologically. So like oxygen deprivation, right? Yeah. Asphyxiation, drowning. Yep. How we relate this with Chris is just to say that they're saying that he died because of drowning, but they don't know the cause of like what caused him to drown. Right. Where did someone hold him, you under. know, under because of the fact of the decomposition. They don't have the information to to warrant to say that there was any sort of significant injury. Okay. And again, because he was decomposed so badly, we couldn't, they couldn't see if there were any ligature marks to indicate some type of strangulation. They would have been able to see potentially blunt force trauma though, because Mm -hmm. if there were at least to the head or if there were no bones were damaged that we're aware of. Well, we're going to come back to Chris. Okay. And I brought that up because you said this was the bone breaker. So, okay. Exactly. So we're going to come back to this, but this is the first set of what happens. and, And this is where the world is kind of left with just this 14 year old somehow gets out is taken from, we don't really even have that information at this point in time, right? His home and then ends up in a river dead. Dead. Yeah. So also I found this interesting. It is estimated that 15 to 20% of deaths around the country occur in a manner that's undetermined. That's a lot. It is a lot. I don't like that. I don't either. So, but it's I because it we're thrown in here. In so many autopsy reports to determine the cause of death, you need additional information outside of just injury. Yeah. And I know it's kind of silly, and we don't give a ton of credence to shows like Bones and things like that, which I love, by the I way, one of my favorite shows ever. Absolutely. It has to do almost always with the investigation surrounding the actual findings. Right. So it doesn't surprise me that there's that large of a percentage because that's why we do what we do. There's so many unanswered questions. Yes. Yes, most definitely. And now no one in the family could give information to say how he, you know, why he would have ended up out. He wouldn't have. No. But because of, of the undetermined drowning on his autopsy, the police didn't look for a perpetrator. They did not treat this as a homicide investigation. And there's no additional information for them to have other than what we've already been told. Right. I, it gives me the bad feels. You know why? Because yeah. we have evidence of a cut screen and fing- footprints, yes. muddy, leaning from the window to the door yes. to get out, which was previously locked. Yeah, that Exactly. That to me is enough evidence. Yeah, that's where I was at too of is this lazy police work or just limited given it's 1994? Okay. To venture a guess, perhaps it's one of those situations where like we know law enforcement officers, they know that it's hinky. 
Mm-hmm. They know that there's probably something or someone out there who assisted this child in leaving the house, but absent any additional information, what else can you do right. with it at this point? Yeah, you can't magically make information appear. Yeah, mm-hmm. so feel free to be judgmental and not like how the police did the investigation, but just so you know from my perspective right now, you're not telling me anything that makes me super upset with them. No, no. I yeah, I, get I don't it. like it. No, right. It's just the circumstances in general suck. Agreed. But this happens a lot. And, you know, like you were pointing out, we're, we're often to just throw shade at the police. It's, you know, it, it might not necessarily be that. And I don't think in this case, that's where we're at. I don't think it's lazy police work. No. I think it's just things we, we don't gotta, know yet, though. Like the investigator part of my brain is like, so what size shoes were they? Were they made from shoe print with something distinguishable like a Doc Martin or right. some tennis shoe that's specific? I mean, did they take an imprint? Did they take the pictures? We'll leave all and, that and for all, whenever. All but. that stuff, 1994, man, I don't know that they necessarily did. This is also a very low crime area. Yeah. So you have, and what that means is you have small police agencies that probably only have maybe one evidence tech or a scene person. Yeah. They come in, they take pictures and they Mm -hmm. don't do much. Foot mold impressions and things could have been taken outside if there were footprints outside of the window. And no, there was no evidence of that. It was only on the inside. That was tracked. Yep. God, that's strange. And it might not have even been full footprints either. It's just they could tell that they were, Dirt was tracked through. Yep. That makes sense. If you have a a house that is pretty clean, you know, and then you can see like, okay, there's not, like my floors, for example, there's not dirt on my floors. So I can tell immediately when one of my four children or my possible husband- Has left the dogs out. Yeah, has done something and has left- left yes. some sort of indication of a footprint, but I might not mes- necessarily be able to make out the actual print of who. I know exactly when my dogs was. have recently come inside because they bring leaves with them because yes. the leaves come up by my door and all of a sudden my tile floor has leaves all right. over it. Right. I'm also going to throw out there just because, you know, I like all that evidence stuff and I'm sure it probably wasn't taken in 1994, but man, I would have been interested to know if there was any weird DNA found on the bed, on the sheets, any place where there right. would have been contact with that kid laying in bed. Yep. Transfer. Um, I don't think so based on what we'll hear later. Okay. So now I'm going to take you to July 29th, 1995. So we are a year, almost a year and a full month later. Yep. When 13-year-old Thad Phillips and his sister had fallen asleep on the couch in their home in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Same town. Same town. At 4 a.m., his father had noticed that Thad, Thad, excuse me, I might do that a lot for some reason. Tad and Thad. I leave out the H when I read this. So I apologize in advance if I say Tad again. If she says it's Tad bad. again, we all know she means Thad. Right. We got to hook me up to some sort of electrical device. And when I say something wrong, just zap me. You know, that'll make they make all happier. kinds of devices that I could press buttons <laughs> for true. with you sitting across the table from me. <laughs> Boy, that'd make the podcast interesting. It sure would. Our first live show. I say we do it. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I'm in. So at four o'clock. Thad's father notices he's no longer on the couch and he's not anywhere else in the house. Now, his sister still was, Ooh. but Thad wasn't. Little sister. Yeah. So like in Chris Steiner's case, the police and parents are stumped. There's no signs that anything nefarious had taken place. There's no sign of struggle. His parents insisted, just like Chris's, that their child would not leave without informing them in some sort of way, whether it's even leaving a note or something like that. Thad is not that type of kid. He is 13 years old. So 43 hours after he was taken from his home, he finds himself in a closet, breaking down the closet door, 
throwing his very badly broken body down a flight of stairs to find a phone to call 911. Wow. So Thad wakes up in a closet in an unknown location. He's in pain. He's his body is broken or mangled, as you've indicated, and he Very literally mangled. throws himself down, which means he could he walk. Can't walk. He cannot walk. So he just kind of rolled himself the, down the steps. Yes, he knows the only way that he can get down those stairs to that phone that is it's nineteen ninety five. It's attached to a wall. Yep, they used to be. Yep, uh, he, he has to literally hurl himself down the stairs God, with his broken bless body. Him. He tells the 911 operator that he was being held captive after being tortured by an older boy who had taken him from his home. He does not know um, where he is. He does not know who the boy is, where he's, you know, like I said, where he's being held. But the police were able to trace his phone call to dispatch police and emergency services to his location. So this is how he ends up being the survivor because he was brave enough to fight for his own survival. He is found in a very dingy, dirty house. And they the police discover upon some investigation that they believe his abductor to be 17-year-old Joe Clark. Okay. And he was. He absolutely So was. they knew Joe Clark was living at this address? Joe Clark's parents. We're living are there. living at this address. Joe it was as well, but based on the description of what Thad could give them. An older who, kid. Mm-hmm, he's st- exactly. It's, it eliminates the parents. Plus, the parents are eliminated because they're not home. We're going to talk a little bit about Joe Clark's upbringing. Okay. So Thad tells the police that in the beginning, Joe was actually pretty friendly and had talked to him about a, a supposed party that was going to be happening at his his brother's house, Joe's brother's house. Right. Is this prior to the abduction or is this after the abduction? This is after the abduction. I want to know how he, he came to be abducted off his couch. Well, literally, I'll tell you that right now. He walked in. It's 4 o'clock in the morning or so or 3.30 something. It was just before... Um, his dad woke up and realized he wasn't. I'm assuming that the ruckus from him coming into the home, taking Thad off the couch, probably roused his dad yeah. from his sleep. And that's how he discovered. I think they just missed each other by minutes. What he describes is that he thought he was dreaming oh. because this 17-year-old boy, Joe Clark, goes into his home, picks him up off the couch, and carries him out of his home. He literally just pick, he picks him up? Yes, and so he he like roused a little bit, but he thought that like, it was one of his. Happening? Well, he thought it was one of his parents carrying him to his bed. He's a thirteen-year-old boy. Yeah, he and he and then just fell back asleep. He wasn't being jostled. He wasn't being handled. You know, I'm sad because this is what makes me. This is what happened to the first boy. Right. That is That's why there's no signs of a struggle, struggle. and no blood. Because he no. just picked him up and carried him out. Yep. Picture a fireman's carry. He's got, got him over a shoulder or something. Or, right. And Joe, I actually, how he Thad baby, described it is carrying, ju- you know, literally like from one hand underneath his um, knees yeah. and one underneath Legit his back and just, yeah, yeah. Like just, just, you know, carried him like a parent would carry a, so a boy to bed. Did he carry him out to a car that was waiting? You know, I, it actually didn't, I didn't make note of that. I was assuming that he carried him to a vehicle, but I can't just assume. It, I don't, I don't know if he carried him all the way. This is a small town. Right. So um, that information, I am not sure. 
But he, when he did rouse from his sleep and realize that he is in, uh, you know, this dirty, you know, home or whatnot, Joe was pretty nice to him at first. Okay. He has definitely two sides because he wasn't. And so at first Thad didn't even realize that he was like in trouble. He started talking to him about this party. He started telling him um, friends that were going to be at this party. Now, the thing is, the friends that he mentioned, Thad knew. Oh, my God. So So, did he know this? What did you say his name was? Joe? Joe. So Joe does not know Thad and Thad doesn't know Joe. But they have some mutual acquaintances. They do. They do. And so Thad recognized the names of these kids that he was listing off as going to be at the party. It kind of comforted him, you know, at first, like calmed him down. This is bizarre, but maybe something normal is happening. Yep, yep, exactly. And he did this just to keep him calm and compliant. And when they get to his, you know, to his home and up upstairs to his bedroom. This is when I'm going to give you a trigger alert because this is how we find out exactly how Thad ended up in the condition that he did. He throws Thad on the bed and immediately just grabs his ankle and twists it until it cracks. Oh, he would then beat him in a fit of rage after Thad attempted to flee. I mean, at this point in time, now the kid is shocked. Like we were talking about going to a party and meeting up with friends that, you know, we both know. And now we, now you are literally throwing me on the bed and and breaking my ankle. Um, but this would happen over the next 43 hours where Joe would go from being really nice to then doing something to crack one of his bones. And that is what his torture was. Um, he broke every single bone that he possibly could. It would be for hours at a time. What he would do was use a towel to muffle his screams. Um, anytime that Thad kind of described it of like, once he broke something, he would then calm down <sighs> and try to almost like nurture him. Like it's going to be okay, you know? And then if something was, if he heard a noise or if something was said that triggered him, he'd be right back at it. Just breaking another one of his, his bones, he even, he described to the police how he would, Joe would force his legs into braces and make him walk around on his already broken limbs. Wow. I, I don't know wow. why. And he had these braces there. He did. Well, and the thing is. is how did he break the big bones? Well. I mean, I'm thinking Kathy Bates misery style over here. Is he using implements? He, this is how he uh, snapped his thigh bone as it was described. Oh, good God. Uh, quote. Joe Clark had snapped Thad's thigh bone by forcing the leg forwards and leaning on it until it gave way. He also jumped up and down on Thad's chest and attempted to suffocate him, end quote. I'm, yeah. I am so this is dumbstruck. Slow torture. Yeah. He did it with his body weight. Any of those larger broken bones could have resulted in his death. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Absolutely. I mean, you break you're breaking that femur, or you're, and I mean, you're dealing with some um, major arteries and yeah. blood flow there that could have uh, yep. killed him right away, or yep. within within minutes or hours. Yep. And then after, what's bizarre, Megan, is after he did this, he would then, like I said, tend Soothe to him. his injuries. He made 
bandages, makeshift casts for him. Then he would carry him downstairs and watch TV with him and talk to this him. This is a psychopath. This this is a this is a kid who is this this Joe who has mm-hmm. been incredibly traumatized and horribly physically abused. In my opinion, that has to have been his background. And then mom or somebody has nurtured him after somebody has beat on him, in, either sexually or physically. I would think so. Um, what we know is that he had a very neglectful childhood. Okay. Um, mom wasn't there a lot. He. The other thing that Thad described to police is that he often would masturbate in front of him. He didn't sexually abuse Thad, uh, like on his body. I mean, masturbating in front of him is a form of sexual abuse, absolutely. Like after he broke bones. After he broke bones. So he. This was sexually gratifying to him. It is. There is a sexual deviation that is going on here that is added into the mix. Okay. Um. So I would even venture to say that it's very possible that Joe was sexually abused as a child. Oh yeah. Um, on top of, of physical abuse. And then, like you said, the, the pseudo nurturing, just fake nurturing. We don't have the information about if it was mom or not, because when, when Joe does get caught and gets tried as an adult, mom's not on trial. Right. Just Joe is. But he's a sadist. He He gets off on the hurting of others. Absolutely. The violence and, and the pain. And I'm going to talk a little bit towards the end because, you know, the psychology in me had to bring oh, up yeah. like the information about this because this is extremely rare. It's, it's exceedingly rare, as a matter of fact. So to have uh, this type of sexual deviation. Um, so Thad told the police that he did ask Joe, like, why are you doing this? And he said he did it because he liked the sound of bones breaking and he liked how it, he liked how it felt. How it feels to break them and how it sounds how it when sounds. he does it. Yeah. The, I mean, that is the long and the short of it for him. I'm doing this because I enjoy the sound of bones breaking and the way it feels. How did he target this particular victim? We will get to that. All right. Yep. Um, He also bragged, Joe also bragged to Thad that he's done this before. Twice, in fact, before. So we know of one victim. We do, because Thad remembered the name of of Chris, but he could not recall the second um, name. And I'm sorry to tell you, whoever that victim is, it's never come forward. So there was another missing child someplace. Someplace that they did not connect. Probably in that same Wisconsin area. Or I would venture to say, uh, is it another survivor that's just not come forward? That wasn't this mangled, obviously, right? Maybe the first one, just one or two bones broken. I don't know. Was this house in the same town, like in the same area as both of his victims' homes? The victims we're aware of? Yes, so we don't even know if it was in another area, right. you know, something like that. But nothing ever comes of the fact that he bragged to Joe, or excuse me, to Thad, that there were two victims, one named Chris, and Thad could not remember. And bless his heart that Thad could remember Chris. Think of the excruciating pain that he is in. I can't imagine. He was in a state of shock for yes. uh, how, how many hours was he missing? 43. 43. Yeah. And the torture began immediately. I mean, as, as he got him to his house and he's placating him with these, oh, we're going to go to this party thing. Once he got him in his room, he threw him down on the bed and started breaking bones. Right. So makes it harder for them to run away. Right. And so 43 hours and now, and we're vacillating back and forth between this breaking of a new bone in my body and being really tender and kind to me. And he's just chatting me up. I can't even believe this boy remembered the name Chris. So he ends up shoved in a closet. He does because Thad has his girlfriend over during these two days. 
And he's just supposed to be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So at some point when he breaks out of the closet, which is when he throws himself down the stairs, has Joe left? Like he was under the impression that Joe left the house? Joe and his girlfriend did leave the house because he was that cocksure that he had mangled uh, Thad enough that he couldn't escape even if he wanted to. Okay. So he gets him, you know, to that point of thinking that he has broke everything that he can in this boy's body. Including his will. Right. Put him in the closet. And then him and his girlfriend do go to a party. Excellent. And that is when Thad knocks down the closet door, gets himself. And you guys... I will describe his injuries in a, in a bit, but it is extensive and it's a miracle that he could get himself out of that closet. Sadist pride um, will get you every time though. Yeah, yeah. He, he thought he, he was safe to leave his victim there. Sure did. Good so, for you, Thad. This is the, so this is the thing. Joe knew Thad, but Thad didn't know Joe because it was said, and I'm going to tell you that I went deep diving down the Reddit internet hole. Oh, God. Sometimes it's so entertaining. Sometimes it's very worth it because you get people in there who know someone who knows someone or who went to school with these boys. Yeah. And I did. They put it all out there. Ooh. Okay. So apparently, Thad at 13. So he's what? Eighth grade for fuck's sake. Yes. Right. Okay. So he's 13. He was known to be kind of a bully. It's 1995. I think all 13-year-olds in 95 were bullies. Okay. okay. So our victims, people thought uh, he was a bit of a bully no, in eighth grade? only Joe. Joe thought. But Joe, Joe thought. was 17. Joe is 17. So he thought a 13-year-old was a bully? And it, he it, it turns out that Joe has a whole list of people, Megan, that he thought was a bully. And he saw himself as doing some sort of vigilante justice to the world. Good Lord. He had a list of people that um, he was going to protect and people that were bullies that needed to be taken out. He had a kill list. He did. He did. In 1994. And this Reddit, 1995 this Reddit thread, a girl, and I will not use names, of course, but a girl had commented that she knows about the list because her brother was on the list as being protected. So the police contacted them. They you Like, know, did you people know you were under right. the bone breakers protection? Yeah. yeah. So that's how that information kind of gets out there. And she wrote that, you know... Thad, like in his perspective, Thad was was a bully. Again, he's 13. Like, Why do I feel like I'm watching some 90s male version of the movie Heathers? Well, what's interesting to me is... In, and where's Christian Slater? <sighs> never where you want him to be. I know. He would definitely break up the storyline here a little right, bit to give me right. some uh, Christian, comfort. Christian, why are you never where you're supposed to I be? I know. You're in my head. You're not in my it's living okay. room. I just don't get it. <laughs> he's not in my closet, I promise. Right. This poor kid. Yes. But other people did not think Thad was a bully. Joe did. Joe did. This is what I'm telling you. Yes. From what we know in Joe's perspective, he thought Thad was a bully and this list of other people that were on it as well. And so he felt like he was doing, you know, some sort of justice, except Megan, that's what he says. But you, you add in the sexual I was just going to say. And th- that's where I'm like, no, boy. You know, I think it, teaching somebody a lesson by punching them on the playground is a little bit different than yep. beating them, kidnapping them, beating them, and then jerking Tor- off in front of them after you hurt them. After you've tortured them. It just yeah. goes a step nope. too far, Joe. Yep. Yeah, I'd say. 
I'd say. Couple steps. So I I think that that whole thing was just a, I don't know, some sort of kind of defense that he tried to come up with, but I'm not buying it. Oh, I don't even know that that's a defense. I think he may have convinced his own brain that this is what he was doing. Very he possible. was a superhero. Not all heroes wear capes, Charnel. Oh, they don't? Nope. Oh. He had a little Superman Apparently complex Apparently some there. just wear jeans and a t-shirt. They do. And they're 17 and they lock small children in closets. Right. And and so the fact that, like you had said earlier, the fact that he was so cocky and thought that he had defeated this 13-year-old boy so much to the point where he couldn't escape, that's his downfall. He was going to kill him. He was, absolutely. There is no doubt about it. I mean, that's most likely what happened to our, what was our first victim's Chris, name again? I apologize. That's okay. Okay. It's so, been a long day at work. Yeah. So for Chris... He ends up dead in a river, and he was missing for five days. Well, and I'll tell you, he knew Chris, and Chris knew him. So they actually knew each other, they knew did, each other. through Chris's older brother. And Chris was 14. Chris was 14. And this was a year prior, so Joe would, Joe have, been would have been 16. 16. Mm-hmm. And he had an older brother, and that older brother, I get to it in a little while. Okay. Um, I'm skipping ahead in my notes here, but that older brother does feel a lot of remorse guilt yes survivor's guilt you know and it's not his fault no um but he was chris was specifically targeted now whether that was because he was on the list as being a bully i'm not sure i actually think he was targeted simply because he knew chris's older brother and he knew what bedroom to get him out of and he knew the family's routine that's why I think Chris personally. And Chris's older brother was, wasn't there. And right. he's probably and he around the same age. He would have. Because he is the same age. He is. He's he, 16 yes, or he was, was 16 yeah. in 1994. Yes. He was the same age. So, so was I. More than likely. I was not. <laughs> I know. Fourth grade. I know you're not. But I think that he probably saw Chris's older brother at a party, knew exactly where he was going to be. And those two boys, if they shared a room, knew he would be alone and took saw his opportunity and took it that night. Okay. Yep. Here, Joe Clark is partying with his girlfriend and they rush a Thad to the hospital. Now, I do want to give you some descriptions from, this is the words from the police. They would see injuries like this in a really, really bad car crash, yes. typically. Thad's legs were broken in four places. Ugh. His Feet, oh, this is so bad. His feet were twisted so bad that the skin was reminiscent of rubber. Ugh. His toes. so gross. It's so bad. His toes were pointing the wrong way. When he entered the hospital, he had serious life-threatening internal bleeding. Uh, I knew this was going to happen from Mm -hmm. those, yeah, major bones. The doctors estimated that he was hours away from dying. Okay. When they by the, when they got him to the the police station or not the police station the hospital sorry, so he was gonna Joe was gonna let him die from all the broken injuries he wasn't gonna do anything else he was just gonna let him succumb to his injuries do we think you know uh, that's an excellent question and something that I pondered as well I do think he was just gonna torture him until he couldn't anymore or until he got bored and killed him himself well and if he was trying to kill him when he was jumping up and down on his rib cage he was trying to suffocate him and breaking the ribs and you know there's potential perforation of lungs right. Uh, right your cardiac and he's muscles just listening to everything crack and i'm sure just assuming he can't possibly live much longer okay so okay time to go out partying with the girlfriend yeah. well, i'll leave him in my closet to die all right Ugh. about four hours after they got thad to the hospital the police just had to jump from one teen party to the next and bam they find joe clark 
His girlfriend was questioned. She had no idea I that this it. child was upstairs I in was a, a closet. Teenage girl. Yeah. No, she had been over. She said she had been over there several times in the last two days. Yeah, because his parents weren't there. Exactly. We'll get, we're going to get a little bit more into the parents. Okay. So yes, I just wanted to throw that out there that the girlfriend did not have anything to I do with that. It. She was there, but she did not um, know anything was going on because he was upstairs with a towel in his mouth to, to stifle any of his cries in a closet. Now the, compl- the police then conduct a search of the very dirty, nasty home that Joe Clark was living in. And they found a journal. This is where we get the information about the macabre list of of local boys that um, were described as his hit list and his protective list. Okay, the list contained 29 names, which had been sectioned off off under three headings. Heading number one was can wait. (laughs) So like we can wait to take these. I'm so sorry for laughing. Right. Like it's just such a it's so ridiculous. Can wait. Then there's a heading of get to now. And then, Megan, there is a heading of the leg thing. The leg thing? Yes. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. But what, what list was um, Chris on? It, you know what? Or was he not great, on the list? I, I don't know. I okay. don't know that information. Um, there's not a crap ton of information. This hasn't was, been covered. Was Thad on it? Um, Thad was under the leg thing. Joe admitted that he did take Thad out of his home, but that his intentions were to just hang out. He said that he had no recollection of what had happened or how Thad sustained his injuries because he must have, quote, kind of blacked out. I hate when that happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, How many times have we... People just wander around blacking out all the time. During his But his girlfriend was there for most of the two days on and off, and she doesn't recall seeing him blacked out, passed out. Nobody that knows Joe has ever recalled him suffering from blackouts at all. No. Joe didn't research well enough. No, not in 1995. The internets were just a babe. They couldn't. So he's charged with attempted first degree intentional homicide, causing great bodily harm to a child, mayhem, Causing mental uh, harm to a child and child enticement. Okay. All right. No torture. There was not torture. Criminal listed. mayhem may f- torture may that fall under probably. criminal mayhem in Wisconsin. Um, actually, I apologize because it's mayhem with the intent to disable or disfigure. It's torture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Now, I I understand that's mayhem's an old um common law. Right. And they they're utilizing that in Wisconsin. And like how I say right like I knew that. I didn't know that you just educated me, You're welcome. but I am agreeing with you. I, I knew what that, you mean by right. Sounds, I do the same sounds thing. Sounds good. Uh, so right has somehow become a comma or a punctuation mark for me as people me are talking too. like right. Yeah. It's from my kids I think, but I don't say right bra. No, I'm no, not bra. No, I'm you. not. Thank you. I appreciate You're that. I get that enough. Show pleads no contest and not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect of course i mean i think we kind of saw that coming i'm not saying you don't have some defects there buddy Most but definitely. does it rise but it, to this level and it doesn't doesn't excuse you the def- the defense argued that his biological mother now joe spoiler alert spoiler alert that's not what i meant twist plot to, twist plot twist joe was adopted Oh. So the def- the defense was like, listen, his biological mother had a was a heavy drug user throughout her pregnancy with him, and and Joe himself had suffered um, a real bad head injury in a bike crash the year before, <laughs> the year before when he killed the first child. Well, that's just it. He had already taken victims before his 
head injury suffering from a bike crash. But also the fact that, you know, the The biological mother thing. Well, the only thing that bike crash and the head injury goes to show giving him the benefit of the doubt is that he became less smart in covering up his crimes because he left the child in the in the closet. True. Thankfully. For you, Thad. His adopted mother did get on the stand and tried to make an alibi for him, saying that she no. was home that whole time. No, ma'am. There, there is some some suspicion that the reason that she did that is because she didn't want it to be looked into the fact that he was always alone. She right. was never around. She was neglectful. So, yes. So she was trying to say, oh, no, I was home. I saw him. I didn't hear anything. There. He never brought a boy home, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but it doesn't matter because the care. prosecution ate her up on the stand and it all fell apart. Got to remember those days. They made me so happy when yeah. I was in that spot. That's like the equivalent of a lawyer orgasm right there. It kind of is. And uh, one, she's perjured herself, yes. So, which is a crime in and of itself. Right. Not that we always charge people with that, but she just discredited herself mm-hmm. so much in front of the jury which again was mm-hmm. kind of my favorite thing to do as a prosecutor with people who right. were blatantly, blatantly lying and then, yeah. yes and and her intentions for blatantly lying you know maybe she could argue that it came out of the love for her son of trying to protect him, i actually think it, it could have but i think it was more protecting herself from being shown of, to be neglectful yeah there's a lot of speculation that it was actually more about the fact that they she didn't want to be cast you know, into the investigation of why was he home alone for 43 hours? You never were there. You know, and get even s- considering a 17 year old, you might leave home alone for a weekend with somebody to check on. I'm, sure. I might do that, by the no, way. No, no, no. Sure. But, but the it, home condition would show the problem. that it, there's, it's yeah. maybe longer than that, yeah. or she's not staying there at all. Is she staying with friends and boyfriends and leaving this kid to fend for himself? Correct. It was the state of the home coupled with the rest of the investigation that they're like, no, Mm -hmm. you were not coming and going. No, where's this kid getting his food? Where's it? You know, all that stuff. On November 7th, 1997, when Joe was just 20 years old, he was sentenced to either a hundred years or a life sentence. It doesn't matter. I saw it both ways. Whichever comes first, whichever comes first. I think that's kind of interesting. I got to look that up in Wisco law because there's part of me that really loves a hundred years or a life sentence, whichever comes first. Yeah. So a hundred years. Or whichever comes last. Because that way, if he turns a hundred, he can't, I mean, he can't. What, so say he well, lives he to 120. Well, 120. Hey, people have lived, what's the documentation for the oldest man or person alive? Isn't it like 119, 120 something? I thought it was 121. It might be. So God, that would have given him a whole year to cause problems. Yeah. <laughs> and with his cane. Was that thunder? So. We have thunder ice now here in Michigan. That was bizarre. It I is. Think it's we raining are and it's a thunderstorm and it's icing. It's thunder ice, yeah. Okay. Thunder ice. We need a cool ass song for that. Oh, I will come up with one. I have buttons here I could push that would play songs, but I don't know which is which and I just don't know. I'm like, <laughs> we'll save that for the Patreons. Right. That could get real weird up in here. Um so I will tell you that Thad was awarded like twenty one million dollars in damages. I mean, I doubt that he ever saw that money. I would think not. um, Thankfully. Although you could sue the parent because he was at 17, a minor for purposes of a lawsuit civilly, but charged as an adult criminally. 
Interesting. Really, really, really. I wondered how that I couldn't find more information on it. I just assumed he probably didn't get that. And I'm just going to go lawyer on you. But do you know what I would have done as an attorney suing civilly? Tell me. I would have sued the homeowners, the insurance (gasps) and collected from the homeowners insurance. Most people carry a policy, 500,000, a million, uh, and try to collect against the homeowners. Do you think that Miss Clark had homeowners insurance i think if she had a mortgage that she was paying she probably did because and I don't that's have a, that information if she was renting right or because that's a requirement if she mm-hmm. was renting um then here's the bad part and again you're oh. welcome as a lawyer the owners yeah. potentially could have been sued even though they were renting it yikes yikes i know we're a terrible breed you really are we you really dirty are. dogs a wolf. oh my god <laughs> I know. Just throwing all that out there for collectability purposes. No wonder why people go into law school. That is some shit right there. That is not why I went. Obviously, I don't don't make any of that money. No, no. So thankfully, you might be wondering... Why am I talking so weird this episode? I don't know, but I kind of like it. What is my fucking problem? I like when you're weird. Get yourself together, Charnel. All right. I'm channeling the universe here. I'm just trying to tell you that Thad walks again, people. No, that's what you were getting to with all of this? He didn't. I mean, obviously, he's going to have lifelong effects. Effects. Because his name's Thad. I said effects. Right. Lifelong effects. But he is able to walk again. And so he's not wheelchair bound. No. They probably had to do extensive surgeries yes. on him. Yes. He was in the hospital for a very long time. Like I said, his legs were broken four places. His feet were facing the wrong way and his toes were also facing the Jeez. wrong way. So all of those things were broken um, and rubbery as, as it was described. So yeah, this was this was bad, but he was able to recover as much as he could in it. And it's not, um, I'm, I'm sure that it's affecting his life. I found some information about it that I will share oh. later because now I want to get to the murder of yes. uh, Steiner's. They did reopen his case. Thank you. After he, um, you know, the sentencing because of Thad, Chris Steiner's case was reopened and his body was exhumed and a post-mortem autopsy was done and revealed severe injuries to his legs and ankles that were identical to Thad's. It bothers me that they didn't find broken bones before with a complete autopsy. Somebody said this is a drowning and saw the decomp and closed it too quickly. Amen, sister. It's like you were reading my notes, even though you can't see my computer. We don't need to because we've done this long enough because you just said there should be a cause of death in front of the actual drowning drowning yeah. and they didn't try to find it because it was there it absolutely was there because you know that leg thing where he does the whole thing where he like slowly breaks the leg with his body he has weight. him praying mantis style bent over and then breaks his That's leg what he did to chris yes okay so his um leg injuries were identical to thad's so he has the broken bones and he did drown to me this Honestly, I feel in my heart of hearts that he probably broke his bones so extensively that he died probably at the house and then he dumped him. I'm thinking so. Which means he wouldn't have inhaled water real quick. No, if or, they were in his lungs, it was from Or let me just water. make it even worse. And I'm sorry to do this, but he w- could have been near death and he dumped him and right. then he sucked in the water and because he couldn't swim. Yeah, right. Very possible. And drowned immediately. Or just they mistook the water in his lungs that ended ended up there from decomp and whatnot. Yeah, I still as feel being <clears throat> you know whatever. I, it's obvious that the autopsy wasn't complete, right? 
I, I mean, think we've established that. I, I think so, too, that we had to go back, you know, did exhume his body and then find broken bones. So did they charge Joe? Um, he did have that added on with it. Um, he got first degree homicide mayhem again and causing great bodily harm to a child. He pled not guilty and he still maintains his innocence today, but it doesn't matter because they, um, went ahead and found him guilty of the first degree homicide mayhem and causing great bodily harm to a child. And they added, um, an additional 60 years to his life sentence. So he had a trial. He was found guilty. Yes. Yep. They did do that for him. Um, I did find a lot of Reddit comments, as I mentioned earlier, that Chris's brother, his name was Jim. Okay. Um, that that he was friends with uh, Joe. Joe and that he really struggles with his survivor's guilt. And I just, I'm, I highly doubt he's listening to this, but if he is, I, I really hope that he worked through that and that he's living a really happy life somewhere because yeah. this was not your fault. And if not, get therapy, buddy, because you didn't yeah. do anything to no. make that psychopath no, exactly. do this Target there was something brother. wrong with nope. him yep 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 if and you think about how many times you used to bitch as your fr- to your friends like i have a sister who's 17 months younger than me you're the baby so can you only mm-hmm. imagine what your much older sibling said about how annoying you were oh right? gosh and half the time they said it to my face just last night i was sitting at a basketball game with him <laughs> and my brother's picking on me exactly yeah, yeah. so but yeah i mean to say oh my god my sister she's so annoying and she did this and she did that and then to have somebody in their sick mind think mm-hmm. oh i'll take care of this for my friend Yep. what a bully yep. that little girl is yep. no you didn't do anything wrong sweetie that is just he was a sick sick kid yes absolutely and it, and, so, and not one that I find that could potentially be rehabilitatable there are those no. cases and we've indicated them before you know people will commit a murder in the heat of the moment or the heat of passion these are not those type of cases I'm sorry no not when you couple in the sexual deviation this is yeah. a violent sexual offender also, I will add in that they gave him no possibility of parole. So Joe Clark's not getting out. So this time, instead of 100 years or life, yes, it was what, it, it is an 60 additional years. 60 years to life, no possibility of parole. Did they say if that was concurrent? So was it running at the same it time? It didn't say. I know. I was looking for that. It did not or say. Or consecutive. But either either way, I don't think that he is uh, well, no. going to be a... So he's out. currently incarcerated. Yes, he is incarcerated. In 1998, he did make an attempt to con- uh, to appeal his conviction, citing lack of evidence in Chris's case, but it, the appeal was squashed and he's he's out of appeals. And so... And he is, is my age. He's 45 years old, someplace sitting in prison in Wisconsin. Yes, yes. At the Wisconsin Department of Corrections. Yep. Now I want to tell you a little wonder bit wonder if they more. listen to podcasts there. I wonder, I do, well, they do let them have access to internet and they can play them through the internet. And you know what? I bet a lot of like those really narcissistic psychopaths that we cover, I bet they do listen to all the coverage. On sure. Them. They love to You want to hear about, about yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And that's usually why and, we make and up you, creative and you get names off for on them. it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I'm sure he likes to be called the bone breaker, but mostly I think you're a sad, sad human being yeah. and you're where you belong, sweetie. Yep, for sure. I agree. Um, I, so I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the Reddit things. I mean, take it for what it is. It's, you it's really dove. I did. You should see those smirk on not, her face. There's not, there wasn't a ton of information about this that I, you know, really felt like I, that would beef up our episode. You know, I love to get all the information that I can. Yes. So I read though that Thad has some serious struggles. It kind of broke my heart to read this. And and this is what bothered me about the Reddit threads. There were people that were throwing shade at Thad 
Um, one of them literally said that he's a deadbeat dad now and that he tells his story to gain sympathy and really, really bothered me because... Oh, we're victim shaming. Yeah. And why are you... This is uncalled for because perhaps telling his story isn't to gain sympathy, but it's a part of his own healing and to remind people of who he is, that he, that this happened to him and who Chris was and, you know, and what happened to Chris and that he survived it. It had said something about he being him getting into math now. Gee, I wonder why. Thank you, Megan. I'm That's, just speaking out of training and experience. Can I, can I insert my public opinion yes, here? I, I we do not would. get political, you guys. We have an opioid epidemic in the United States right now where people are legitimately suing pharmaceutical companies because medical professionals overprescribed opiates for people in pain. Now, guess who might be a person who had experienced a significant amount of pain? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Thad. Who's had every bone in his body broken. Mm-hmm. Well, once you stop prescribing the legal opiates... You go, you're, you have created an addict who can no longer get the thing that they need to make them feel better. Yep. And then they move on to street narcotics, heroin, methamphetamine, and any other type of street pills. So you do have a direct result from something that was legitimate to start. The fact that sometimes victims turn out to be um, not so great parents or even criminals themselves, you guys, why Mm -hmm. do you think we have so many of these murderers on here who've been sexually abused or physically abused? It doesn't take anything away from the fact that he's a victim and he has a legitimate story now. Correct. Exactly. That is why I wouldn't ordinarily, right, put in some shitty comment about our victim that somebody said. But I felt like it was super important that we we draw attention to this, that if this is the narrative that people are out there saying about him, and it might be true. It absolutely might be. But this is why, and I, I knew that you would be able to, to talk intelligently about it. You've actually skipped through, I can skip through a lot of my notes now because that's I, exactly what I have I written. run two treatment courts exactly. and, and you have served on treatment courts as well. Yep. And we are not condoning or advocating for continued substance use, but we know that there's a reason why. Yes. And I'm sorry, y'all. And it's not because you're a piece of shit human being. It's, well, whether, whether anybody wants to believe it or not, because I still know and I'm friends with a lot of old school people who are like, you can make these choices your brain changes mm-hmm. when you become an addict and it is a DSM-5 diagnosis right. for substance use. All of you medical professionals out there, I hope are cheering right now going, yes, right. A, a lawyer that understands this. Well, something very easy. Okay. Right now, I guarantee a majority of you guys are trained just like I am that when I wake up, what do we do? We look at our phone, right? We have trained our brain and body. I teach about this stuff very extensively, actually. So I'm going to try to wrap it up quickly here. But our brain is like when we, that's like a highway, okay? We have a little highway path in our brain of I wake up, I'm going to look at my phone. Some people might get on Facebook. They might just lay there and wake up for a bit being on their phone. Right? I go for the coffee pot. Yes. I train other myself. people. Exactly. Other, some, it, it depends. We all have our morning routine. Those are our pathways in our brain, they're highways, they're easy to navigate. We don't even have to think about them. Our body does them, right? That's how addiction works. So when you're trying to get away from an addiction, I challenge you all tomorrow morning, wake up and try to do something entirely different. 
I mean entirely different from what you usually do. A, see how your morning goes. See how your body feels. If you do, don't do the things you typically do. Do something else. It's it's going to suck because you're retraining. You, you don't have those highways in your brain you're for something else. to instead trigger your stress response sure and release cortisol. cortisol. Exactly. So I'm telling you, it is, it's not a choice. It's not as easy when your brain is completely wired the way that it is. You literally have to build new roads and how we build new roads is first, if you picture just a grassy knoll, you first walk that grassy knoll back and forth and back and forth until it is a little dirt path. Then it's a big lane. Then maybe it's, it's a whole ass dirt uh, road and then it becomes a a paved road before it then becomes a highway. And that is a long and process Charnel to get there. just gave you a very brief overview of cognitive behavioral therapy, yes. trauma focused and how you change people's brains. But what I love, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on this. Sure. What I love though, is that we are victim centric and we know that victims aren't always, you know, shining stars. There are some people publicly who are, are making attempts to um, either discredit him or say that he's not a great guy. Thank you for addressing potential reasons why, if they are true, and if they are not, at least allowing his story to be told. Right, right. That's that's how it should be. Well, not all survivor stories that we cover are butterflies and rainbows at the end, because that's not how life works. You don't get an automatic pass to wellness and happiness just because you survived. There are typically years of soul work, trauma healing that have to take place for someone to recover from such an assault like this man went through. At a pivotal developmental moment in his life, he was 13 years old. We can't negate that either. No. I mean, my God. Start of so, puberty for most boys. Yep. Yep. Exactly. With this type of trauma. No, no, no. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, hopefully you guys learned something from that. But now I'm going to add a little bit of psychology to the case, a little bit more, I guess. Um, so since this is a, is a sexual fetish of Joe that's not typical, he's it's actually categorized as a paraf- uh, paraphilia, which is sexual interest that's atypical. And in, in his case, um, Megan, you might have to, I struggle, it's auralism. A-U-R-A-L-I-S-M. I always struggle with that word. Yeah, that, uh, Because auditory, right, right. from our, our ears, that's the derivative of the word. Um, auralism, which involves being turned on by sound. sound. And in his case, it also presents with pain and torture, which is extremely uncommon. So just the, the sound thing, the auralism itself, <clears throat> isn't necessarily a pedophilic. No. It's, it, and it's, it's and a it's, sexual deviation, but it's not one that is, is pedophilic. No. It's that coupled with mm-hmm. the torture and yep. that, that, that makes it the sexual deviation. Mm-hmm. So again, okay. for some of you freaks out there, you know, our fans that we love, you all have some weird stuff that yeah. you might like that doesn't make you a, a pedophile. It doesn't make you nope. pedophilic and, in and any it, way. And it doesn't, and it's not even a paraphilia where or, it, yeah. what you're doing is completely atypical, right? right. It, it's, it's there's just, a combination mm-hmm. there. So I just, I just wanted to throw that if anybody else was curious about like, wow, what would make somebody his, he ha, he presents with two, um, two uncommon sort of things that are, are coupled together. And it's very, very atypical. Yeah. So the psychology behind all that is Joe Ooh. is, is real interesting real deep. to me. And I wasn't going to give him that much airtime and get, get down and dirty. And no, it, but if but you're interested, I bet we could look it up. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, it is out there. Certainly. I'm sure. Honestly, though, I could not find, um, information even in the DSM about s- specific bone breaking. 
Okay. It was ju- it just I think it would sound. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then probably torture. And tor- oh, of course, pain and torture. Yeah. Absolutely. It falls under that. But yeah, I just found that I found that really interesting. Um okay, are you ready for a brain bath? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> I am ready for a brain okay. bath. In this, I will insert we're going to do a two-part brain bath. Um, the first one is going to be the article that was shared to us by Kangaroo Sack Jason in our Patreon group that I just found very Oh endearing. my God, I love it. I have so and many comments. The other one, I'll, we will play for you, you guys, at the end of this episode, what happened in the middle of this episode, because my um, my cell phone, as you know, we do interviews. So my cell phone is connected to our podcasting um, equipment, and my 17-year-old called in. It's and, the best thing ever. Um and interrupted us while we were recording. And we thought that you just might want to know some of the things that we deal with while we're trying to live our real lives and do a podcast. Yes, so, absolutely. And so you can that. get an idea of what we're talking about with 17 year olds and adolescent brains that we were just discussing. Yep, exactly. It just, it fits so perfectly. A the, normal teenage a adolescent normal. brain. Mm-hmm. Here's a synchronicity for you in, in the world, right? Because we were talking about a 17 year old. Now we have one. And just to set the scene today, we are under an ice storm warning. It is extremely icy out and it is it's so bad so um he was instructed to grab his brother and get his ass home and so that's what this phone call is about but anyway um, bathe me first I will bathe you even though you're not bathing me because it is so funny you have it pulled up on your phone can I just look at your because instead of pulling it up on mine here I have a Samsung so good luck is it an article no you have to explain what you're looking at. Oh. It wasn't an article. Okay. So in our Patreon group, as you guys know, somehow we became the Penis Podcast. Uh, it's, that was we, on it's accident. It's because of our fans. It's it is. our Patreons. Right. It's not because of us. We blame you guys. Right. But the men in our Patreon group handle it so well. They do. And that was With not- such grace. <laughs> I just realized my choice of words. They handle it so well. I'm um, dying right now. They, they really, they really do. Um, join I've never in. seen anybody handle it so gracefully as you, Kangaroo Sack Jason, and and new Chris. New Chris. <laughs> I know. Um, they've really embraced what it is to be a crime curious Patreon full of mostly women who joke around about dicks a lot. Um, so he posts this picture. And I, not to be um, punny right now, but if you don't touch it, it'll go away. I know. I know okay. So I I, I'm talking about my phone. Um, right, right. Okay. I'm, I, I'm stroking it. Don't okay, worry. good. So he posted, everything is dicks in here. So why not dick bullets? I hear they're good for penetration. Sorry, I'm a child. And sure as shit, there is actual bullets that are shaped like dicks. The The tip of them is not, I mean, there they is- They're circumcised. I was just going to say there is no denying what religion they are, okay? And they they are. They're very poignantly circumcised uh, little dick bullets. And I just, what would make someone, do you know the- attention like a mold had to have been made yeah. at some point in time like well I know people who make their own bullets at home yeah, like yeah. they do their own with gunpowder somebody yeah somebody intentionally made this mold but can I just add some of these comments please and I won't I call hope, out our no, individual patrons, even though I think some that. would love it yes so we they post these and one of our male uh patreon says sometimes being fast is a good thing <laughs> Um, somebody else says, seems like a lot of work having to spit on the end of every bullet before you load it. 
that one killed me. I was wrecked. And then our own Charnel says, ah, to be on the marketing team for these. Here at Cocked and Loaded, our dickheads never miss their mark. <laughs> and uh, another Patreon responded to you with these peens will tear right through your opponent's spleen. I loved her, her way of rhyming. I love it. These and peens will tear through the spleen. And I feel like, I mean, these are nine millimeter, um, a 50 piece, nine millimeter. They're hollow points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to say <laughs> that, hollow that on the box, someplace for marketing, it should say, Sometimes size does matter. Yes, right. it really should. So, so much for marketing. Their marketing we could do for them. Yeah, I, truly. I just it's it's pretty impressive. Uh, and and I feel like perhaps uh, we should share this. Oh, in the regular Crime Curious page. Yeah. If, if it doesn't scare everybody away, because yeah. it's funny. If we don't get sent to Facebook jail for having well, anatomically correct uh, bullets, I but. I would like to point out that in our disclaimer, I very clearly say if you cannot handle anatomical descriptions, and that doesn't just pertain to cases, it pertains to the brain. Very baths good too. point. So very you were all point. warned. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to direct people on how to look at these? Sure. Social yeah. media. Follow us on social media. We're on all of the platforms. Literally, you could also just go to our website, crimecuriouspodcast.com. From there, you can email us, you can um, buy merch, you can join Patreon, uh, anything that you want. It's all available on our website. I so. believe we have links to the Instagram and to the Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Um, we have all of the both links mediums there. that I don't enjoy, but I know some of you youngins do. No, and, and right now, if you message us and we don't get back, like, within, you know, a business day, um, it, it's because, for whatever reason, sometimes our messenger gets wonky, and then I'll get all the messages at once. We've had really bad internet problems. So, for any of we you, have. Um, within the last couple of weeks that have had issues, like, literally, our cell phone towers were down within the county that we live in. Yep for over 24 hours yeah. so we're people so, thought the world was, was ending it, it mm-hmm. kind of it was it felt it was. like it i felt very much like little house on the prairie yeah see mine mine my wi-fi still worked so i could i mean i couldn't text or call no as soon as i, I left my still... house i couldn't literally i'm like hey let's go to dinner out of the county last night oh <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as we left the county i'm like oh all of phone. these messages yes. yeah yeah all right you guys in the meantime i want to remind you as i always do to keep it curious and keep listening and bye bye at just 20 years Jacob, old. Jacob, too hard. It's, your phone's right here. Thank you. Sorry. Hi, Jacob. Hello, Jacob. You're on the podcast. Welcome to Crime Curious, Jacob. <laughs> talking about right now. Judge Megan is going to... Be- oh, shoot. There's a judge there. <laughs> yeah. As, as always. I take back everything I've said. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a good I Christian thank- boy. He recanted. I want to thank-, thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Yes. And possibly yep. your defense counsel. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. What? Like why are you phoning me in the middle of the podcast? Um, I'm bringing little mini me, as one would say. Okay. Uh, and then I'm gonna eat and then go to the uh, beautiful brunette's house. Um, no, you're not gonna drive anymore tonight. Sharni, the road's not bad. Uh, it is five o'clock. Yes, and it's going to get bad. And also, Judge Megan already informed me that they are bad. Sorry, sweetie. Uh, it's I'm, it's it's later that they're gonna oh, be bad, like oh, within the next hour. A, there's a tree. There's a tree falling down. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, ice, the the ice, honey. Ice does that to trees. They don't like it. Just get home and you're going and I'm sorry, but the beautiful brunette. I am now off the road. 
All right, I'm back on the road. Don't you worry. just gave your mom all the ammo as to why you can't go out again. It looks like you and the beautiful girl are going to be FaceTiming tonight. That's right. That's how you're going to see. <laughs> well, one minute you're driving in the road looking at the scenery. The next minute you're in the scenery looking at the road. So. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Exactly. So, um, all right, we'll be home in approximately uh, 20 minutes. Okay, be careful. It is icy. Yeah, something like that. I love you. <laughs> All right. Love you, too. Bye. Adios. 17-year-old boys. This should be our effing brain bath. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You should play the brain bath for everybody. This is 17-year-old boys. Yes, exactly. When we're having an ice storm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love that he proves your point as he's driving. He's like, oh, Oh, a tree's falling. falling. (laughs) He just ruined his plight. Dumbass. He is great. sometimes too honest for his own I good. Love everything, I love everything about the exchange that just oh, happened. Lord have mercy, child.